Next up on Talk Zone is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Are you concerned about your job? Concerned about losing it? Concerned about not having the tools needed to reinvent your career or to reposition yourself in the workplace? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, or even if you just want to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, then join the conversation right now on Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Now, here are your hosts, Charlie and Eva. Welcome, everyone, to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. I'm Charlie. And I'm Eva. <laughs> we are broadcasting live from the Syndication Network headquarters, so we're pretty excited today. I can't believe it. It's really exciting, except it is weird looking at you this way instead of, you know, you're usually right at my side. Yeah, or attached to the hip. Or attached to the hip. Right. <laughs> um, so hope everybody had a great holiday. It was a great holiday, right? Um, yeah, it was. It was a great holiday. We have a new year coming. So let's Almost keep going. Happy right? Right. Right. Almost happy new year. Almost happy new year. A couple of things I wanted to say. Um, last week's show was really interesting. It was really interesting. Uh, we learned about... We're ca- still talking about still it. Still talking about a counterfeit goods in, in clothes and products and even in electronics that are very dangerous. Yeah, we had no idea, right? You know, who who knew that if you just picked up a cheap bag on the corner in Manhattan that it could be a health risk and a, and a major health risk um, and a health risk to your children? Right. And so I mention it because we encourage everyone to download last week's show. Oh, yeah. And remember that all of our shows are always available 24-7 at TalkZone.com. You can find us under the business channel. And we have quite a few shows in the queue now. Yes. That you can listen to. Excellent. Um, you know, the mission of Corporate Talk is to use our collaborative powers to leave no stone unturned to make a difference in the workplace, even as one person. That's it. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, we talk about last week's show pretty much every week. <laughs> and I'm sure we're going to be doing the same thing next week. Well, I mean, this show today is, is so timely, right? I mean, it's it's a perfect perfect show because you know we've got it's it's almost the new year mm-hmm. right and everyone's feeling like a balloon from the holidays so of course we want to talk about health and wellness today we do uh, and like i always say we get to cheat because we get to listen firsthand right mm-hmm. um so this is great um we do have a great guest that mm-hmm. um we would love to bring on so let's not spin any further and I would like to introduce Carol Phillips. Carol, are you with us? I am. Thank you for having me. Hey, welcome to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and thanks for being patient. Hi, Carol. Hello. How are you? Hi, listeners. <laughs> so, Carol, first, why don't you maybe share some contact information so our listeners can track you as we learn from you? Oh, absolutely. If they want to go to my website, it is health designnh.com that's h e a l t h d e s i g n n h as in new hampshire .com or they can email me at carol c a r o l at healthdesignnh.com or they can use the easy link which is um, partial title of my book 52 ways to health.com Oh, perfect. Right, and and we absolutely want to get into that. Um, but I want to also add that you know 
Carol is a health and wellness expert with 25 years experience in the field and is also a health coach, mm-hmm. wellness coach, also a certified personal trainer. I mean, uh, CPR, first aid instructor. Uh, what else? What do you not do? <laughs> <laughs> I like covering all aspects of health. Um, you know, what's interesting, right? So the name of this show is Corporate Talk. So people sometimes say, what does health have to do with corporate? <laughs> it has everything to do with corporate, right? Because I mean, when you feel awful, you can't do your job. I mean, it's the secret, right? Right. It is absolutely the secret to everything. So, uh, you know, we need you now more than ever, Carol, right? <laughs> and especially at the New Year, because everybody, like I said earlier, just feels awful at this point, especially after Christmas and Hanukkah. Right. And think about all the time that we spend at work. So, of course, our health needs to be there, too. And I started out years ago in fitness and became a certified personal trainer, and I loved it, but I was working with one person at a time who was already motivated. Mm. And I was just, you know, really drawn to the people who had a hard time getting off the couch. And that's when I switched to all of wellness and health coaching and fell in love with corporate work and getting into companies and reaching a large number of people at once and helping them to get motivated and making health easy and doable for people. Um, you know, looking at your book, you go as far down as posture, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, think about the cubicle. We talked about it on the way to the studio today that, you know, I have a hard time turning my neck. Maybe it's because of all the computer work sitting at the at the terminal. Oh, I absolutely turned into the letter C after mm-hmm. all those years, you know, sitting at a desk, especially, <laughs> you know, because I'm tall. And even when you get anything that's, you know, fairly ergonomically correct, it's still not quite right. And I think that's the, you know, a huge issue. I mean, when your posture is bad, I mean, now I have neck issues, shoulder issues, all of that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Everything's connected. Mm-hmm. So if we're... Um, doing something that's unhealthy, it's going to bleed into many other areas. So likewise, likewise, if we make some small healthy steps in the right direction, that will, you know, affect many different areas of our health in a positive way. So that's where the baby steps are truly important. Um, and I want to, you know, echo on that because I also was looking at the book how you encourage positive reinforcement, right? So now... If I understand that a baby step has value, right? It's going to stop the bleeding eventually or everything is connected. This is one new building block. Then I have reason to give myself positive affirmation, I guess, right? Absolutely. And when I was personal training years ago, the drill sergeant mentality was very popular and it just never felt right with me. And I would encourage people to um, take the small baby steps, which you know, slow and steady wins the race. And now, all these years later, we were learning that the drill sergeant mentality may result in quick weight loss, um, you know, a a big step into an an exercise program, but it's not efficient, it's not sustainable. So over the course of a year, more than 80% of people will be right back to where they started or even worse off, which really... Uh, is a negative to their self-esteem. So we're learning now that that's what's natural for our bodies is to make slow slow changes that result in major improvements in our health. You know, and I just wanted to add to that, right, because 
I did boot camp last year and it was the same thing. It was just this, it's this, you know, go as hard as you can and you're in pain all the time. It just doesn't make sense. But on the other hand, you know, you feel like, well, if you don't give it a push, then you're not really getting anything done. So is there a fine line between taking baby steps or really pushing yourself? You know, because sometimes I think if you take baby steps, you don't always... You'll always be a baby. you always be a baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, everybody's different. And what works for one, you know, may not work for another person. However, what's natural to us is to um, take things slowly, and then we tend to implement them and keep them implemented. Whereas if we're making huge changes, our brain automatically thinks of those as temporary so we don't, you know, we don't picture ourselves pushing ourselves forever. So we don't really want to be pushed either by ourselves or by, say, a personal trainer. We want to be drawn to things that are healthy because those are the things that we're going to continue to do. And one thing I've noticed that I think is really important over the last 20 to 30 years is society has slowly painted this picture of health needing to be difficult and expensive and boring, and that's not going to attract anyone. And people have slowly become paralyzed by that, but the problem is their health is not staying paralyzed. It's going downhill Mm. because people are saying, you know what, Uh, okay, either they just don't know what to do anymore or tomorrow they're going to make some major changes. And, of course, tomorrow never comes because the picture that they paint in their head is not a pleasant one. Therefore, if we change the thinking, and that's why the beginning of my book has several chapters on changing our thinking from negative to positive and taking responsibility for our health and realizing that we need to put ourselves first and discover what we like, what we don't like, our strengths and weaknesses, then we can start getting that ball rolling and then it's going to pick up speed. Um, it's interesting, right? Listening so far for what? Seven, eight minutes. What I learn is it's never too late, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And also, Rome wasn't built in a day, but on day one, there was construction. So, exactly. Right? So, start building, right? Right, um, right. So, that's. Well, but I think what the, what to me the biggest takeaway is, and it's, you know, how I coach as well, is you have to work on mindset first. Right. Because if mindset isn't there and I know, you know, Carol, you talk about that as being, you know, one of the first two chapters, one or two chapters in your book in the beginning, because if you don't get your head in the right place, you're not going to make those changes. And I think a lot of times people don't really realize that it was like what you were saying earlier, you know, subconsciously that you're not going to be able to sustain that level of working out or that strict eating plan or whatever it is that you're trying to do. So by getting yourself into a headspace so that you're just going to look at ways to make yourself healthier, that's a great way to look at it. And I love that that's in the beginning of your book because I think that is so key to success. Right, absolutely. Because when I um, have clients who come to me, usually they're hyper-focused on one area. It's either you know, their unhealthy eating habits or their lack of exercise. And they just think of it as being a problem with that subject and their lack of willpower. Actually, they're, you know, very 
frustrated and need to change the thinking first. And when we look at all the different areas of their health, oftentimes we find that the root of their problem was a different area. So that's one thing that I love about health coaching is that we look at all the areas. So I'm not just working with the exercise or the nutrition anymore. So, for example, I had a client who came to me and thought their whole problem was their unhealthy food choices and their lack of willpower, and they just kept beating on themselves about that. But when we took a step back and looked at all areas of their health, I discovered that the person hadn't slept well for years, and of course, that's going to affect every area of their life negatively. And many people, they just accept the fact that, well, I'm the type of person that isn't, you know, doesn't sleep well. But that is an area that's huge because we do a lot of important healing when we're sleeping. And if we're sleeping well, we're going to be more likely to exercise. We're going to be more likely to prepare a healthy meal. We're going to be more likely to reduce our stress. So it goes on and on and on. And it sounds like such a simple remedy, but it's very complicated because if we don't get that, we'll be drilling ourselves into the ground with... um Treatments. Well, and we know that, right? I mean, we know that when we're tired, we don't get anything done. Um, Absolutely. So we definitely want to get into this book, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when we come back from the break, uh, we have about 30 seconds before the first break, Carol. Can you just tell us or start to tell us what inspired you to write the book? What inspired me to write the book was what was working with my clients. Mm. When I would work with somebody and they'd come back to me and say, wow, I just can't believe how making, you know, several small changes in different areas of my health really got the ball rolling. And now I'm finding I have more energy and attention um, to make, you know, some more significant changes. Or if somebody came to me and said, you know, um, I tried this and I just, couldn't believe how well it worked for me, and it also helped in this area, which I wasn't expecting. I wanted everybody to know about it. So when I do my corporate work, that's what I love is when I can reach a lot of people at once, but the book helped me to take it to a new level. No, I agree. Um, great work, by the way, um, and we, we love it, and we want to hear more about it. I mean, the key word here is success, right? This, mm-hmm. is, this could be the key, um, but stay with us. There's a lot more to come. Uh, This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva and our special guest, Carol Phillips. And now, let's return to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Welcome back, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and our guest today is health and wellness expert Carol Phillips, and we're discussing her book, 52 Simple Ways to Health. And Carol, I know right before the break, Charlie and you were talking a little bit about the book and how the book came about. So if you could talk a little bit about what's in the book and what makes the book different and how it can really help people start off the new year right. Sure. The book, I wanted to cover all different areas of health so that people could look at it and say, wow, you know, there's a lot more to my health than I realized, but take away the message that if they make small changes in just a few areas, it can make a big difference and that, you know, 
ex- that health is a lot more than exercise and diet. Um, everything in our lives contributes to our health in one way or the other, and the psychology is a big part of it. Um, including stress management and sleep. And, you know, I wanted to explain to people the difference uh, between, you know, protein and fat and how calories aren't always a bad thing. You know, society has taught us that, you know, calories are all bad and carbs are bad and fats are bad. And so I wanted to explain the difference to people. So when they were making their food choices, it would be easier and also break down the importance of the different types of exercise cardio, strength training, balance, stretching, and how it it all contributes. So people can find out their strengths, what works for them, um, and then kind of design their own health plan. You know, and what I really like about it is that it's small, right? Because sometimes you get a book on health and it can be so large. And even just reading the book, just just thinking about reading the book alone is daunting. And then implementing those changes can be really hard as well. So I like the fact that you've come up with 52 simple ways and put it into an easy-to-read format, which I think is great. And I know one of the things that you talk about, and I know this is a big deal for a lot of people, and I, I kind of go on a roller coaster with this up and down, but when it comes to the gym, you know, a lot of people, like you say, avoid the gym like the plague. And so what are some tricks <laughs> that can help people really learn how to start loving the gym? Right. The the book was designed to be an easy read. What I tell people is don't think of it as a book. Think of it as your new toolbox with lots of great tools that you can use. And one of the important things is over the years, you know, we've started to think of exercise as being something very boring, but we must do it. And granted, we must do it. Our body's designed to move. It's not designed to be sedentary, and that greatly affects our health. Um, However, exercise needs to be fun, and there are so many things we can do. If people don't like going to the gym, then don't go to the gym. There are so many, you know, you can do a sport, you can take a dance class, um, and we're social creatures, so do we want to be exercising with other people instead of exercising alone? Or is somebody getting tired of going to the gym because they do the same workout all the time, which, you know, the, the brain and the body get bored. So is there a fitness class? Um, at the gym you want to try, um, or some gyms have, um, you know, courts that people can reserve and go after work with a friend. Um, you know, the, the list is endless, so people need to find what's fun. I remember, you know, when I was young, we used to just go outside and play, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you know, we didn't think of it as a chore. Of course, we went out and we did what we wanted to do, what we were drawn to do that was fun and got our body moving. And we need to get back to doing that. We have to stop painting this picture of health as being, you know, boring and difficult. Because it's it, what has happened over the years, too, is, you know, it used to be um, intrinsically motivating for us to take care of ourselves. And now it's become a subject where it's almost like everybody on the outside is telling us what to do, which isn't natural for us and it doesn't feel good. So that's kind of what stops people from moving forward. So we need to get back to just listening to what our bodies are telling us to do. Yeah, because I think what happens is is so many of us have worked in an office, in a desk, so maybe you would try to get to the gym after work, but trying to fit a workout in could be really rough. 
And I like what you're saying about, you know, trying to find different ways to come up with a workout that really suits you, especially like even the difference between being introverted and extroverted. Do you like to work out alone or do you like to work out with people? And I think so many times people don't even think about that, but that could be the difference between, I would think, success and failure, right? You know, if I like working out and I like being around people, going to a gym and getting on the treadmill probably isn't going to be something that for me is sustainable because it's not fun. It doesn't feed my soul as well as, you know, work my body. And so, you know, I think that's a really great point. And then also, do you think that, you know, when people are working out, that there's so many different ways that you could do things where you don't have to actually do a sport or even go to the gym, but little ways that you could do stuff that would probably up your fitness level, um, but doesn't necessarily have to be structured. Is that true? Right. Absolutely. People who like variety, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the thing that's beautiful about the Internet is on YouTube, you can find a million different workouts and things to do. Um, and you can use that as a, as a resource. I tell people, you know what, spend some time Googling um, and looking through YouTube videos and let it give you ideas. For example, somebody might not have ever thought of ballroom dancing, and you don't have to always go and pay for the lessons. You can pull up a YouTube video and do it to, you know, to the video. Mm-hmm. So you know- find, find what excites you. Find what you're eager to do. Um, because that's what you're going to, you know, do on a regular basis. And when we're talking about worksite wellness, um, it's great that companies are offering wellness programs now. However, what I've noticed over the years is the ones that are more successful are the ones who have a more welcoming culture instead of, well, you know, this is what this is our wellness program and this is what you need to be doing because that's not going to be positive and resonate well with people. So when a work site is offering programs, they also need to remember that it needs to be welcoming and fun for the employees. And I have companies now that are ordering copies of my book for each employee to give them that tool and then start implementing things that resonate with the employees, including listening to what the employees want. Yeah, that's a perfect tool to have. It is, yeah. It's a great idea. Um, so if a listener wanted to purchase the book, what would they do? Would they go to your website? Um, if an individual wants to purchase, they can go to my website and click on the link. It'll it'll take them to Amazon. Um, if a company wants to order the book for employees, I offer book rates. So they can um, contact me through my website contact page, or they can email me at carol at healthdesignnh.com, and I'll quote them the bulk rates. Excellent. This is what happens when you have a personal trainer and a health coach. All in one. All in one. Yes. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Well, and I wanted to say something, too, about, you know, like Googling and looking at YouTube and, and, you know, kind of getting into you know, checking out the websites to see what type of workout would work for you. But I could also see where 
you could just spend all your time getting stuck in that vortex of just looking up stuff on YouTube and Googling, right? And never, never taking a step into the gym or never even doing a cha-cha when you're watching it on YouTube. You're just, you know, and watching. And your posture you- might get worse. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and you're watching YouTube and you're like, woo, that was a tough one. Yeah. Well, the other thing about changing the mindset is we also have to get away from, um, okay, should I exercise today? Am I going to exercise today? We have to learn to banish that thinking and say to ourselves, okay, what am I going to do for exercise today? Mm. Oh, that's, not, yeah. am I going to or not? Um, well, and sometimes even just like cleaning the house yourself can be a bit of a workout, right? You know, if you, I, I find that if I do it on a timer and say, okay, I'm going to get all this done in like half an hour, I can really work up a sweat. And I think sometimes that, you know, we need to start looking at that and taking that into account that there's physical stuff that we could do. We don't have to have everybody doing everything for us. That that could that's be a right. little bit of movement. So, yeah. And, and the, the other thing that's good is that there's a variety. We want to be moving differently all the time, not doing the same workout all the time because then we're not going to have um, good muscle balance. So if we're doing a, a wide variety, um, that's beneficial too. Mm. For me, right, sometimes or oftentimes I'm my own worst enemy. So where does it begin? Does it begin with the negative thoughts in my head? Uh, this is ridiculous. It's too cold. I can't be bothered. Nothing is really going to change. I mean, it seems like that's the place to start. Absolutely. Absolutely. Recognize that you're allowing yourself to come up with excuses all the time and that the mind mindset has to change first. It's not really about exercise or nutrition or stress. It's that you're not prioritizing your health. So that has to be the first step. Well, and I think, too, like for me, what can work is if I tell myself, well, I'm only I only have to go for 30 minutes. I don't have to go for an hour just to start getting into that habit of getting in there in the first place of doing any kind of movement that I was thinking about doing. Because what can be so daunting is when you say, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to do boot camp or I'm going to do an hour on the treadmill or I'm going to do that, you know, hour and a half aerobics class. And then you just can't even get in there. You know, if you give yourself a little bit of an of some leeway that at least get me into that habit of getting myself there and that, you know, if I do 15 minutes, okay, then I can turn around and and leave for a while at least, I think, to get myself into that habit. That works a little bit too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up because years ago when I um, worked for, um, you know, other people and worked with other health coaches, I would be working with clients who, really had a hard time getting off the couch. And I had I had one client, for example, who um, the only thing he'd come up with that he liked to do was to go bowling. <laughs> and so I was encouraging him to go bowling. And some of the other health coaches were saying, why are you letting him go bowling? That's not going to be much exercise. And I said, well, think about it. He's on the couch all the time now. If he's going bowling, he has to get ready to go. He has to walk out to his vehicle. He has to walk into the bowling alley. And then he's moving the whole time he's bowling. Um, so that's much better than him spending the evening on the couch. So we really need to start looking at what is going to work for people and what's going to get that ball rolling because that's the most important first step. Interesting. Um, so 
we learned a little bit about some of the physical um, suggestions mm-hmm. and baby steps, mm-hmm. and that it's never too late. Uh, maybe when we come back from the break, Carol, we can start talking about some of the diet um, suggestions as well, right? We do have a lot more to discuss, um, so please, everyone, stay with us. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva and our very special guest, Carol Phillips, and a lot more to come. We're right back. Charlie Labosco is an author, speaker, and trainer with over 40 years' experience in the corporate workplace. Contact Charlie today to interact, influence, and inspire others in your organization. Whether it's a one-hour keynote presentation or a five-day training seminar, Charlie is available to speak on many topics, including making a difference in the workplace, even as one person, building shared leadership teams, and his signature award-winning seminar, Care Certification in the Workplace. Charlie speaking at your organization will make a difference on day one. For more information and to book Charlie, go to charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. Let's get back to Charlie and Eva for more corporate talk on TalkZone. Welcome back, everyone. We are halfway through, but still half to go. Um, this is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva and our special guest, Carol Phillips. Carol is a health and wellness expert. Uh, Carol, share your website one more time, please. It is healthdesignnh.com, or the easy link is 52waystohealth.com. So how did you get started, Carol? I mean, what came first, the um, uh, personal trainer or the health coach career? Um, well, about 25 years ago, I started teaching about, mm, I'd say, a gazillion fitness classes <laughs> and wanted to um, become a personal trainer, so I went to school for exercise science. And like I said, I loved that, but I wanted to motivate more people. And at the time, I was working for the state of New Hampshire, and then Governor Lynch issued an executive order that um, said he wanted each state agency to appoint a wellness coordinator to promote health and wellness to the state employees and their families because he recognized the value of wellness in the workplace. And the agency where I worked offered me the position, and I it just felt right. Um, I was excited about working with all the employees regarding all areas of health and went back to school um, for health education, and that's where... You know, I, I started doing the, the CPR and the first aid classes and helping people quit smoking. You know, normally I would wow. say, wow, that was a fantastic opportunity. But I'm not feeling what I want to say is good because it was the right move by New Hampshire because you're the right person, right? <laughs> Thank you. So uh, that was good. So you, you, this has been pretty much uh, a long um, experience road that you have traveled. Yes, and one thing that has been exciting over the years is watching um, corporate wellness because before 2006-2007, companies that still viewed wellness as an expense instead of an investment 
it was hard to um, get them to see that it was a very good investment because they wanted to have that crystal ball to prove, you know, that if they spent the money, the employees would be healthier. Well, then we ended up doing the studies that did prove that it's a great investment. Oh, my God. When you think of days off, days missed, days not being – hours not being productive even while you're at work. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right, the list goes on and on. And and then what I started noticing was companies had wellness programs, and the national average for the employee participation was roughly 20%, and companies felt that if they had, you know, 20, 25, 30% participation, they were doing well. But that never felt right to me either because I thought, you know what, your your wellness program should be exciting enough that you're attracting at least 80 to 90 or 100% of your employees to participate. And what I noticed was a lot of times they would have incentives or they would be dangling the carrot to get people to participate in some of the incentives for the wellness programs. And that didn't feel right to me either. And now we're finding that employees, they want to feel welcome and respected and have choices. They don't want that dangling carrot all the time. Does that make sense? It's a classic example of you showing the corporate world what they don't even know they need. Right. Right. Um, So I think it's huge. um, Right. It makes perfect sense. Right. And, you know, um, I used to be the health coach for 14 different Hannaford supermarket stores here in the Northeast. And they used to have a budget. Um, so we could buy, you know, little gifts or gift cards for the challenges that we rolled out. And then, you know, when the recession hit, you know, the budget cuts were made. And it got to the point, actually, where I would roll out a challenge and the employees would say, well, how much is the gift card this time? And it got to the point where no amount was ever enough. Well, then the budget um, for the incentives was cut 100%. And what I did was I went to the employees and I said, hey, listen, granted, we don't have these prizes anymore, but we all need to be taking care of ourselves for ourselves. We need to change our thinking. And I actually ended up with people more excited and participating more in the program because it was going back to the way it should have been naturally. Hmm. And that is people taking care of themselves because health is important, not to win the gift card for this challenge. Right. Oh, that makes sense because it was the wrong motivator. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So where did 52 come from? Um, 52 is when I health coach and I have a new client, the first little assignment that I give them is my 52, I call it my 52 rule. And that is to make the point about how small changes are important I tell them to pick one very small, very doable thing to change each week. And it has to be so easy that you can't even argue it. So make that uh, change such as one extra scoop of vegetables on your plate or going to bed 10 minutes earlier or adding a five-minute walk to your day. And then implement that. And then the next week, pick something else. Preferably from a different category. So if one week you do exercise, the next week you do nutrition, the following week you do stress management, and you keep all of those going, 
And over the course of the year, you're going to be amazed at how good you feel about yourself, how you got that ball rolling, how it's starting to pick up speed. And now some larger changes are easier for you. And over the course of a year, it's amazing what 52 changes will do to change your health. Right. That's how Rome got built. <laughs> there you go. Right. Uh, no, I, I think it's great. And not only that, as you see those little baby steps working mm-hmm. and and that they're doable, I guess your point is it creates incentive to do more, and it morphs. It morphs into more and more and more, and it's it morphs from within. Right. Right, right. right. And, the, and the really important thing is I tell people that they need to take 100% responsibility for their health. So if they're having a hard time implementing the 52 rule, then they need to stop and say, okay, what's going on in my mindset mm-hmm. that's keeping me from doing even the simplest things? Mm-hmm. That negative self-talk health. will come up. Exactly. So that's usually what it is. It's either they don't feel they deserve to take care of themselves or they've been given so many negative messages over the years they don't even know where to start. Um, so that that really raises some red flags and really helps me to work with them to find out what's really going on and get to the root of the problem. So as a health coach, you also um, ask for accountability. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, right, absolutely. You know, a long time ago when I was a kid, I remember hearing something, and I always wondered if it was true or not, and it was that there's more salt in one slice of white bread than in a small bag of potato chips. And... I don't know what that means, but it must mean that there's more salt in food than we have any idea of. Right, absolutely. And that, you know, what I what I tell my clients is you really need to pay attention to how much salt is in your diet because we live in a society now where we are pickling our organs with so much salt that's going going through our bodies every single day. And you know that over time is really going to negatively affect us. So that's, you know, the the chapter I have on reading food labels teaches people you don't have to be an expert on food labels. Just start reading them when you go shopping or when you're preparing a meal and get used to those numbers. Just like when a new song comes on the radio, you don't stop and look up the lyrics and memorize them. You hear the, the song over and over and you slowly learn it. Well, the same with the numbers on the labels. So, for example... If somebody starts looking at the numbers for sodium each time they're they're using a food, and then all of a sudden there's an there's an ad for a new food product that looks really delicious, and then they look at it in the store and they look at the sodium content and it's a lot higher, then right away they'll say, "Oops, maybe I shouldn't be buying this." And that's exactly what we want. We want people to get used to those numbers slowly so they recognize where the higher amounts are. Well, and and I was just listening to something interesting. I think it was Michael Pollan that wrote The Omnivore's Dilemma. He was saying that basically if you cook your own food, so if you know where your food is and you're looking at the labels, that even if you put a lot of salt and sugar into it, you're never going to put as much in as a as processed food has, which I found Absolutely. very interesting. Absolutely. Are there metrics to go by? I mean, should there be a guide, or is it just different for everyone in terms of a of a salt limit? Uh, well, there there are guidelines um, that the FDA puts out, 
um, what people need to remember with the guidelines is sometimes that's not a recommended amount per day. It's the recommended maximum. And usually mm-hmm. the maximum is still a lot more than what our body needs. Yeah. So, you know, for most people, um, you know, it, and of course it depends on the size of the person. It depends on, you know, whether they're an adult or a child. Um, and, you know, I have uh, some of the guidelines in the book. But overall, what I tell people is it, it doesn't take much to get your, your, the daily requirement of salt. Most people are way, way above. So start really paying attention to what you're eating. And also remember that our tongues become very desensitized if we're taking in too much salt or sugar. So one of the tricks I do with my clients is I ask them to go try to go cold turkey on a lot of their salts for a week. Um, And then they'll notice afterwards that a lot of the foods taste um, a lot saltier after they've given, you know, time to not be so desensitized. Wow. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because, um, you know, at the end of the day, the bottom line is is that, you know, you don't have to worry about getting enough salt. You're getting it, right? <laughs> you know, you don't well, have to worry about get, that piece. If you piece get too it. much, it could take away whatever water well, you're that's, taking. Well, that's my point, is that mm-hmm. you always have to look at it as like you're getting too much, not that, you know, you have to worry about getting the minimum because... Just by eating, you're going to get the minimum. Um, right. And when we have too much salt, we tend to retain water. And then people feel, they don't feel good about themselves because they feel bloated, they feel overweight. So it's one of those catch-22s. We're going to take our final break in a second. But before we go, I was just, I was reading about, and you talked about it briefly, um, ingredients checking. And sometimes when I check the ingredients, I don't even read, I can't even read the words. They're too small anyway. So I go by the amount, right? If it's, if it's a big paragraph, I know I'm in trouble. Oh, that's true, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I guess we have to be more aware of that stuff, right? Right, absolutely. And I encourage people to buy foods with one ingredient and make their own meals because then they know what's in there. You know, a lot of the labels now, it's, like reading a foreign language. We yeah. don't know what they mean. And companies are great at using all different, you know, um, wordings. For like the natural. The word of, natural. They shouldn't, it's like everywhere. It's yeah. everywhere. Yeah, natural right. poison. Right. <laughs> and especially the front of the label. You don't want to go by what's on the front of the label. You want to go, you know, by what's listed on the back of the label. Interesting. You know, because the front of the label might say reduced fat. Well, Reduced fat might mean that they reduced it a little bit over the ridiculous amount that was already there. So the amount is still too high. But also, fat has a natural salty taste to it. So oftentimes what happens is they might reduce the fat in that product, but then they increase the sodium to make up for the taste. Interesting. Um, This is great. We have to take our final break. Um, Please stay with us. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie Neva, special guest Carol Phillips. We'll be right back.
Let Charlie Labosco show you how to revolutionize your presence in the workplace. Charlie is looking to improve the workplace, and by that he means your relevance in it. Charlie has over 40 years in the corporate workplace. He has seen the unbelievable, mind-boggling, off-the-charts changes in technology, but no real change in our day-to-day and sometimes toxic workplace behavior. Charlie's mission is to revolutionize the workplace by providing the training and the tools needed to lead any organization regardless of your job description. For more about Charlie and how to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, visit charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. Welcome back to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Thanks for joining us, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and our guest today is Carol Phillips. Carol is a health and wellness expert. And, Carol, why don't you go ahead and share your website one more time? Sure. It's healthdesignnh.com or 52waystohealth.com. It's perfect. Thank you. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about smoking because I know that there are still smokers out there. Charlie and I are both former smokers. And I know that the people that struggle with giving up smoking, it's just really, really, really tough. And I know that you're an expert with helping people, you know, to finally let go of this smoking habit. So what are some of your suggestions? If someone's still out there and they're still smoking and it's the new year and they want to let it go, you know, mm-hmm. what, are, what are some of your suggestions for that? Well, first, congrats on being former smokers. Thank you. Thank you. And what I tell people is when people feel like failures because they've tried to quit over and over, um, that's actually good news for two reasons. One, studies have shown that the more people try to quit, the more chance that they will eventually be successful. And people tend to think the opposite. They think, oh, I've tried so many times, I'm never going to quit. Mm-hmm. Well, studies show the opposite because what happens is every time they try to quit, they learn more about themselves and what motivates them and where their mm-hmm. each cigarette is coming from because a lot of times different cigarettes have different reasons, you know, through the day. The other thing is if people feel like a failure, that shows that they still care, that they still want to quit, which is a good motivator for them. Another thing that people are told on a regular basis is, You need to quit smoking and start exercising. Well, to me, that's backwards because what people need to do, and I explain this to people in detail, is they need to slowly start exercising and consciously notice that the exercise will give them some of the same feelings that the smoking does, Mm. except, of course, the exercise is something very healthy and the cigarettes are something very unhealthy. So once they start noticing that exercise can help them reduce their stress, exercise can give them something to do, exercise can give them that little feeling of high, then they can start making that mental shift to go from the cigarettes to being more active. The other thing I suggest is that people notice that there are several different elements to their smoking as far as addictions. They're um, orally addicted. They're used to having something in their mouth all the time. They're tactile addicted. They want something in their hand all the time, um, besides being mentally and physically addicted. So that's really kind of an unfair fight. So they need to be prepared for that. So I tell them to spend time going through each of their cigarettes 
to come up with a game plan for how they're going to fight, um, you know, the different times they want to smoke, recognizing that one cigarette can be very different from another. For example, one they just want with their coffee in the morning. Another cigarette is because they're dealing with somebody at work who stresses them out um, versus the cigarette that they have because they're out with a friend having a beer. So if they come up with a game plan for each one, then their chance of successfully quitting goes up a lot. I think that's really interesting because I've never heard that before, and I've never really heard exercise and smoking being put together in the same sentence so that, you know, when you start to work out, you can get some of the same feelings that you get from smoking. I had never really put those two together. Had you, Charlie? I, I never heard that before. No, I just would smoke. You would just smoke. <laughs> <laughs> you would go run and then go smoke, right? <laughs> but very, very intelligent analysis. I mean... Yeah, it's really good, especially around the, you know, when you're having those cigarettes and writing those down and understanding true. each time and what the different need is which with each one of those cigarettes. It's got to be the same thing with eating then, too, like if you're just eating, emotionally eating, right? Well, no, I get, I get all charged, right? So yeah. I would say, okay, so one of the baby steps mm. that I could take, knowing Carol now as mm-hmm. a smoker, would be I would try to take one of those feelings, right? Um, whether it's the morning or the stress or the workout, and try to replace that cigarette with something else. That would be a great baby step, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that's a great idea. I had never thought about that. And so, you know, it's kind of segueing into then emotional eating, right? Because it must be the same thing because you don't always eat for the same reason. Sometimes you're eating because you're stressed. Sometimes you're eating because you're mad. Sometimes you're eating because you're happy. Right, and the the challenge with the emotional eating is we need to eat every day. We don't need to have a cigarette every day. So sometimes it's even more challenging for people to change the emotional eating patterns, but that involves, you know, a lot of psychology. Um, So, you know, I give some tips in the book that are more doable for people. For example, um, you know, if, if you are tempted to eat, you know, grab something that's at least halfway healthy and force yourself to go for a walk while you're eating it. Hmm. This way you're, you know, it's kind of, you know, a win-win. You, you feel like you're getting that satisfaction of eating, but you're making a step in a healthier direction. Wow. That's a great idea. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. Next right? time we go through St. Louis, we'll go in that room, in that smoker's room at the airport. And we'll and eat something. And have a snack. <laughs> have a snack. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great idea. Um so we've got about four minutes left, and I know people are, you know, struggling, you know, ourselves included with the holidays. We just got through the holidays. We're going into New Year's. What's something that people can think about just starting to do tomorrow to start making a shift? And I know we've been talking about some of the baby steps, but what would be what would be the one that you would think would make the most sense? Like, would it be working out? Would it be eating? If you're smoking, to stop, you know and look at the way you smoke, which one would be the one where people should think about starting? I think the most important is to start with that mindset. First, first, now that we're already, you know, halfway through the holidays, say people need to say to themselves, you know what, society needs to stop putting so much pressure on me. I'm going to take control back of what I do in my health so that next year I can look forward to the holidays and not stress out about gaining weight and being too busy. And as far as the New Year's resolutions coming up, you know, 
don't start, you know, that long list, you know, and that you always do every single year and then you feel bad about yourself by the end of January. Instead, say, you know what, okay, what do I need to change regarding my mindset and the unreasonable expectations I put on myself? And how can I just start, you know, making some choices that are doable and easy, but the important thing is I'm going to celebrate those. I'm going to give myself a pat on the back. I'm not going to think that this isn't enough because anything I do is a step in the right direction so that I'm going to make some small changes, but I'm going to celebrate them and then just move forward each day. That's terrific. That's great advice. So thank you. And why don't you go ahead and share again the book, 52 Simple Ways to Health and Where People Can Purchase It? Sure. It's on Amazon as a paperback and an ebook. It's also on barnesandnoble.com. Or you can go to my website and click on the buy book link. And the website is 52waystohealth.com. And people can fill out the contact us page if they want to get some um, bulk rates for their employees. Excellent. Uh, We have about 30 seconds left, but I just want to say that you know, we get to cheat, and I know I say that a lot, but this book will be on my lap because I love the way it's written. I love the 52 ways, and I love that it's simple. Mm-hmm. And Thank I, you so much. Right? No, I mean, it's terrific. fantastic job. And the other thing I wanted to share is that I will be sharing this show to my corporate contacts through social media because I really think it's important. Uh, I agree 100% when you said the number should be 80%, right? Not you know, uh, of of corporate uh, positive participation. Right. It should Absolutely. be everyone. It should be on everybody's lap, right? Right. Imagine, yep. imagine the workplace then, right? Right. So, Carol, great job. Uh, please keep going. We need you, um, and we'd love to have you back. So, Thank you so much, Charlie and Eva, and Happy New Year to all the listeners. Same to you. Same to you, Carol. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. She was great. Another great show. Another great show. Um, learning the ropes in the studio, which is challenging. It was challenging, yes. But uh, we had a great time. and We did. Uh, we'll be back next week. And thank you so much to Dave Olson, yeah. our producer. Thanks a lot, Dave. Thank you, um, Talk Zone. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you guys next week. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.